Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm excited for our guest today. And I, I know I always say I'm excited for our guest today, and I, I do mean it. But I had the honor of meeting her through Instagram. And yes, this is Carmen's first time on uh, this show. But we are both killer Nashville attendees. And that is super incredible. Because that, not only is that um, conference amazing, but it shows that we have a commonality in the genre that we write. And so I'm excited when I connect with, with people like that. So... Our friend, and I really hope I get this the name right, um, Amato? Correct. Okay. So she's a mystery and thriller author, and she's a retired CIA agency intelligence officer, people. Okay? Are you leaning into this? She's a recipient of both the National Intelligence Award and the Career Intelligence Medal, previously head of a U.S. National Intelligence Tradecraft School. She also headed an intelligence collection program with responsibility across the Western Hemisphere. She draws on her counter-drug and espionage experiences to craft intrigue-filled crime fiction, notably the award-winning detective Amelia Cruz Police Series. Amelia is the first female police detective in Acapulco confronting Mexico's cartels, corruption, and social inequalities. The series won the Poison Cup Award for Outstanding Series from Crime Masters of America in both 2019 and 2020 and has been optioned for television. So do, before you guys get jealous, you just keep on staying and listening in here because so you, so you can learn how to do what she does. If you love international police procedural series uh, by people like um, Ian Rankin um, and Peter May and so on and so forth, uh, then this this particular detective uh, series is a must read. Um, originally, she is from upstate New York. Uh, her experiences in Mexico and Central America launched her fiction career. She holds a BA, cum laude people, in history and political science from Lemoyne, I hope that I pronounced that right, college, and a master's in international relations from the University of Virginia, as well as certificates of completion from um, the Institute of uh, Catholic in Paris, France, and Harvard University's Kennedy School of uh, Government. Her family tree includes a mayor, gosh, immense genius, and the first homicide in the state of Connecticut with an automatic weapon. Wow. The perpetrator, her great-grandfather, eluded a statewide manhunt after killing two people, one of whom was his wife. He was never brought to justice. This is amazing. I, I can't, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get into this. So, so Carmen, why? We know what your genre is already, right? Uh, but what led you to write this? Was it your great-grandfather? Um, Catherine, thank you so much for having me on first. This is uh, so fun, and I'm, I was so uh, excited to reconnect with you uh, after Killer Nashville. I just saw you and was like, that's going to be a simpatico person. I just knew it. <laughs> um, actually, 
I did not find out about my great-grandfather's crime until quite a bit after uh, I began my writing career. I retired from the CIA in 2016, and I had already published uh, my first two books. Uh, And I always knew that I was going to write as a second career. Um, But what really got my creative juices going, uh, I can trace back to a certain Christmas Eve in Mexico. Yes. Midnight Mass at our English-speaking Catholic church, very small church, and we're about in the middle of the service when a junkie with a gun walked into the church, obviously half out of his mind, and comes up the center aisle pointing the gun at the altar. Now, my My son, who was, I believe, eight at the time, was an altar server, and I was sitting in the front row with my family, including my mother, who had come to visit us for the holiday. Yeah. And it it just, you know, what do you do? Everybody in that moment froze as he continued up the altar. And our, our priest, Father Richard, dug into, you know, into his pocket, through his robes, and handed the man some some coins. I mean, oh my God! It, it it was just you know that that moment crystallized for me the danger yeah. of where we were and yeah. what was happening uh, to Mexico, and also the ripple effect of all the people who were seeing this. Now, the incident ended without violence. You know, several members of the parish got out of the pews and disarmed the man and walked him out of the church. Um, But that really gelled for me what was going on in Mexico. And I wanted to write about that. Yeah. The violence, the inequality, uh, that I was seeing every day. I mean, huge disparity in income in that country. Yes. Um, it's, I, so my initial take was to write nonfiction, figured nobody was going to read that. I didn't have any particular academic chops for writing nonfiction about social inequality in Mexico. So I wrote it as a thriller. Um, and so that became my first book, The Hidden Light of Mexico City. And so that really is how my creative writing career uh, started. And after that, I continued with the theme of those myriad inequalities and social tensions that I saw in that country. And the series, the Amelia Cruz series has been well received. Yeah. Wow. So so you've been invited to our expert series to discuss your journey as a writer and an industry professional. And so in a nutshell, can you describe your journey before and after getting into the publishing industry? Well, uh, it's probably a little different than other folks. Um, As you noted, I was with the uh, Central Intelligence Agency as an intelligence officer for 30 years. I came out of grad school, um, went through the process thing, and joined the CIA 
let's see, it was the day after President Reagan's second inauguration. So that wow. kind of grates me. Okay. Um, and I joined as an all-source analyst, which means all streams of information, whether it's human, human collected, you know, an, a, a source told you something, or it was satellite imagery or a telephone intercept. All of that comes to the analyst. They have to make sense of it uh, and answer intelligence questions like, where has Osama bin Laden? Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, it, so uh, that, that was what I did for the first five years of my 30-year career. Um, I then spent two years as a media analyst looking at communist China. Um, and from there, I moved into the science and technology field. I was, I don't have an engineering degree uh, or a computer science degree. Um, so a lot of my positions, I guess, would you would say would be technology adjacent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that's predominantly what I did for the remainder of my career. So... That kind of career prepares you to write well because you have to write on demand, answer specific questions, and you have to do it succinctly. Okay. Um, um, but on the other hand, it doesn't prepare you for marketing. And that is where <laughs> I found it to be a difficult uh, situation. Yeah. So, I always knew uh, as I was approaching the end of my career, as I said, I wanted to be a fiction writer as my second career. Um, and I did a bit of the um, let me get an agent and let me query um, and had some negative experiences that uh, were very surprising. Yeah. Uh, one agent uh, said, Oh, I love your your material. You're obviously prolific at that point. I had several manuscripts in the hopper that I could tell them were ready to go. Right. But I don't know anybody who knows you. So oh my that God. was a big, big surprise. Uh, I had someone else say books with so many Mexican characters will never sell that what they're looking for is more sex in the city. And so can't you make your characters American? Oh, but my gosh. you yeah, you, no. you can't tell a story of social inequality and corruption and what the drug uh, culture is doing to people by turning it into sex in the city. Exactly. So, um, so those were very interesting uh, learning experiences for me and yeah. I was starting to feel a little disheartened until I ran into uh, a series by the late Leighton Gage and his Inspector Silva series is set in Brazil oh. with all Brazilian characters that's right so so that was like okay somebody else is able to do this right and they have a very you know committed readership I I see that there is a readership out there for what I want to do. Um, yeah. And and that was uh, very positive. Um, yeah. 
And this, so, this is your time, you know, because there is a there is a cry for uh, literature about the minority experience. There yeah. is, yeah. but I do find myself um, it, it's it's hard to to find that audience. It's not. Um, oh, how can I say it? it, it the things that seem to sell for that minority audience, um, it, it's kind of hard to get in there, yeah. um, to get your, your foot in the door uh, yeah. with it. And not every um, story can be the American dirt yeah. uh, Ooh, formula. Where Oh, that's a good book. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it's all about getting out of the country. Yeah. It's not about staying there and trying to make it better. Right. Okay. And yeah. and I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've kind of found my um, my readership predominantly among mystery readers, mm-hmm. which when I first started writing. You know, I've got this character, she's in Acapulco, you know, she's dealing with machismo. She's, yeah. uh, she's got to be, be tough. She's living in a pressure cooker. And it's such the Mexico that I experienced. It's the Central right. America that I experienced. Um, and I thought, okay, audience segmentation, uh, I, I will be looking at people who vacation in Mexico and want to know more about it. I'm looking yeah. at mystery readers. I'm looking at the Latino population who wants to see someone who has their, you know, that they can relate to. Right. Um, and so after trying a number of different entrees into each of these groups, it was clearly that the the traditional whodunit mystery uh, audience was the one that took this series to heart to the greatest extent, uh, which surprised me. Yeah. 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 Well, a lot of us who read that stuff, we, we like to travel anyway, even if we travel in our mind, we like to, we like to travel through reading. We like to travel through actually going to the place and a story like that takes us out of where we live and it, it lets us explore not only just, you know, be involved in the mystery, but also be involved in a different setting. And and that is, yes, and that's the the greatest uh, share of my readers, I, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. And it's, it's always good when you're marketing to try and keep digging until you come up with your ideal reader. That's and that's right. not so that you necessarily change your writing to suit no. that person. But when you are trying to get people to discover it, who's the most likely target audience that that's going to stick with and aim there first? You know, I just love that you said that you talked about that because this is a this is a very important this is a very important um, decision in a writer's life. Are you going to write for the trends and the market, or are you going to write what your heart, your your writer's heart, is telling you to write? 
And, oh. and, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, you know, I it's just be so easy to sell out, right? Oh, oh my gosh! If to me, I feel oh. like, oh my god, this could be so easy to sell out. Oh well, that was. I won't say who it was. It was a very well-known author, and I've blogged about this. Uh-huh. And a very well-known author, and uh, we connected via email, and. I, at that point, I had yet to publish anything, was looking for an agent, and I thought that my first book, The Hidden Light of Mexico City, you know, it I had just poured my heart into it. And in my mind, my audience was all of the American women I knew, not well, I won't say all American because it was such a polyglot group uh, yeah. that I hung out with in Mexico City. Um, all of us who met these people and they were just like having life experiences, the Mexican women who were having life experiences that were so different from ours. Yeah. And we would talk about it, but I, I had such a wide variety of of. Of friends there uh, from all different countries mm-hmm. um, but we had in common that this was the first time we had lived in Mexico the first time we were experiencing that culture and experiencing the dynamic between men and women in Mexico mm-hmm. and wow. how differently they are treated and what yeah. their expectations are for being treated um, and and the disparity in treatment um, or behavior and expectations between the very wealthy and and the lower economic strata in that country. Yeah. Lots of layers um, to that. Yeah. Lots of layers, and you know, uh, I could go on at length. Um, yeah. But so this well-known author, having uh, looked through the first few chapters, uh, she was the one who said, "Well." you'll never get an agent you'll never be able to sell this your your main character is a mexican maid now (laughs) couldn't you change it and make her an american college student in mexico having a cultural experience for a semester and it's like oh my gosh either i have not done a good job portraying this character in the situation she's in and the situation I see in, you know, hundreds of women across the city. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it was complete tone deafness. Right. As yeah. To, um, and by the same token, um, I, I'm in a writer's group and a new member uh, gives everybody the same feedback, which is um first person present tense deeply emotional inner voice hmm. um if you've read um a flicker in the dark by mm-hmm. stacy wallingham okay. it, that is that's the formula and it's okay. it's a um a very self-absorbed uh self uh, crisis of confidence in perpetuity um, strong in victimhood and um, unhappiness and lots of, as we used to say in the intelligence community, navel gazing. 
very, you know, strong self-absorption. And I thought, not everybody is going to write that. And not everybody wants to read that. So you yeah. have to be... Uh, yeah. yeah. It's indicative of, uh, of, indicative of our culture, though. It just, you know, the self Bingo. You know, Bingo. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and that's like the current trend. I could not write that. I don't really seek out books like that to read myself. Um, but that that's, as you said, to be true to yourself. I couldn't write a, a American girl having a cultural experience in Mexico. It would cost her more to fly to Mexico than a maid would make in two months. Right. Um, so you gotta, you have to write what you believe in, what you can stand behind, what you can make yourself proud to put your name on it. Cause it's right. gonna have your name on it. Mm-hmm. And what do you stand for? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, so no, don't don't write to trend. Don't write to trend because the yeah. trend is going to be fleeting. In another three years, nobody was going to want to read incessant victimhood, right. navel gazing, inner voice. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> but no. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Well, yeah. well, what what advice can you um you t- you touched on it, but what advice can you? further advice can you share with our author community regarding marketing themselves and building a platform? The best advice I could give you, and and this has worked for me, I think, um, is to really have a solid website that says who you are, what you write, make it interesting, and make it clean and easy to find the information. There's a lot of, I mean, if I see a new author, immediately I'm gonna try and look for their their website. If it's not confusing, I can't find it, Um, or it it looks kind of goofy. And a good website helps media people potential partners you don't know who's going to be looking for you you know could it be that film producer Mm -hmm. could it be someone who is an influencer and is looking to find partners to connect with to get your you know enhance your your book's discoverability um, and that's the hard part, too. It's like, oh, am I going to sink a lot of time and effort into a web- website? Because I don't really think anybody's looking for me. You yeah. don't know. And you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. But your chances of discoverability, of being taken seriously, mm-hmm. if you are truly interested in the business of being an author, um, that's your little piece of real estate in the zone of discoverability. So maximize it. Um, And also, if you learn to do this yourself, it's enhancing your skills. It's another outlet for your creativity. It's a place to share snippets. Um, If you have a blog, it's an opportunity to, you know, create more Google link juice 
to enhance discoverability, a second place to showcase your books besides Amazon or you know, Draft to Digital or wherever else your your books um, are living. Um, so that is frankly how I managed to sell film rights. Wow. Um, the first time I, now I've sold film rights three times so far. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> still no TV show, but. Um, wow. <laughs> income one day we're keeping one day. Yeah, one that's day. That's right. But the the initial sale was to a screenwriter who found me because of the the website and the website looked serious and polished enough. At that point I think I had uh only 3 books out. Mm-hmm. Um but the website looked good enough that they took me seriously and reached out and we came to a deal. Um, after that, uh, NBC Universal acquired the rights and after that, uh, Latin World Entertainment acquired the rights. So wow. that, it, it, the, the initial good impression paid off. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, so you're still waiting for that to, to unfold? I, I am still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> at, at this well, point, it, we we get a lot of inquiries. I have to yeah. admit, um, and at this point, I am I'm I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. If anything happens, fine. If not, um, I am really driven by a, a, a accomplishment. And it, and my website serves as a, a prod for me at this point because the way that the the books are displayed on the website, uh, there's there's empty spaces I still need to fill with more covers, you know. <laughs> Spoken like there. a true author, you know. So what what you know that should be. So what. What should be um, the biggest thing or the, the the greatest accomplishment you have while you're you're waiting is to continue to work, <laughs> to continue to write. Um, it, you know, I think it was Maya Angelou who said the greatest burden is the unborn story or yeah. similar. <laughs> that's right. And, that's, and right. that's exactly it. I, you know, there's all these stories and characters percolating all the time. And um, I just hope I, you know, have the, the, the sharpness as I get older to continue uh, to write at the pace I, I want. Yeah, and you, you're right about your website. It's super clean and easy everything's easy to find like uh, some of the things people look for are your bios and you have a long and short one and i love that and also a headshot and also you have it in a format where it can be downloaded as a pdf so those are all good things if you if you want to be taken seriously as a professional to make sure that you have on your website you know or even to have a media kit so yeah, very good advice. Well, are, are there any words of encouragement you can offer to to you know those struggling with common author struggles such as rejection, isolation, and marketing? Um, I would say, especially for isolation, um, 
For many years, I wrote fiction on the weekend and raised children and corralled dogs um, and, and tried to be a, a good mother and wife. Um, so that my fiction writing time was was very compressed. And yeah. I think probably a lot of your listeners are juggling the same. They've mm -hmm. got a, yeah. a, a, a real job and, and a, a, a fiction habit <laughs> on the side. Yeah. So generally, yeah. isolation it is more a question of, can I get some, <laughs> rather <Yeah>. than, <laughs> oh my gosh, I have to deal with it. Um, so, you know, I went through that for many, many years, and now uh, I'm finally in a place where I can embrace as much isolation as I want. And yeah. I still find that um, I don't have enough. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I probably have enough. I'm just getting better at procrastination. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, rejection, though, is is probably the the number one killer of fiction dreams yeah. and you you have to tune it out um yeah. had i listened to that famous american author who told me to go for the uh college girl having a cultural experience the book would never have been a finalist for the 2020 millennium book award Wow. you know, several years after it was published. Um, I saw this morning, uh, you know, leafing through Facebook, a woman who was 72 has written her first book, very excited, and wow. someone out of the blue that, like, she doesn't know, wrote her an email saying, you know, your book was terrible and you shouldn't write anymore. I was like, yeah. really? Wow. Why would someone go out of their way to, to send that sort of message, it says so much more about the sender than the recipient. Wow. To, you know, uh, so a lot of the rejection that we get as mm -hmm. writers, you have to really have perspective. Does it yeah. really say something about you? Does it say something about the agent who got 200 other submissions that right. week? And so paid attention to none of them. Um, or the anonymous person who, well, someone went through and gave all my books a one-star rating with no review. Oh, now, wow. there's there's tons of trolls out there. Yeah, Maybe they legitimately are. hated all the books. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that is kind of coincidental, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It... it it, it, so things like that happen in this, in our society today where people act anonymously without much regard for, I don't know, good manners, politeness, right. consideration for others, real reason other than I'm in a bad mood today. Right. Um, so yes, rejection giant helping of perspective mm -hmm. think about it for two minutes mm -hmm. mentally wad it up throw it in your mental trash can mm -hmm. have a cup of coffee move on <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. Wow. Um, and it, as far as marketing goes that you know we're all in the same boat um it is uh, 
a challenge. Um, there's there's no easy prescription unless you have a bazillion dollars you want to invest in this. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I don't think I'll write standalone books again because series sell so much better and are so much yeah. easier to market. Yeah. People fall in love with a character they want to yeah. see more of the character yeah. and you know once i've invested all this time and energy creating this this universe this situation these characters getting to know them it, it's it's a big investment for me so i want to make that investment pay yeah. off over time as well and so it, it's enjoyable so yeah. marketing or writing in a series is a an excellent marketing uh, tool. Um, but, and I would also say that it, it's a little bit easier on your budget to market a series because mm-hmm. if you're, if you are advertising book number one and you have four books that follow, chances are with the way we can put links in the back of Kindle books now. Mm-hmm. And of course, Amazon, the new Kindles serve that up to readers automatically. Okay, wow. It, it's going to be a much easier way to generate income. Okay. Which awesome. for a lot of people, that's that's the point. Now, if you are um, traditionally published, and I do see a lot of articles about, well, you're a, you're published, but don't expect to make money, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Which, for a lot of people, I, I, I'm not sure I really can swallow that. Right. I put exactly. a lot of money in, okay, so maybe I'm making 35 cents an hour. I'm sure <laughs> I would be making more if I was a faster writer, but I'm not. <laughs> But still, I would like that thirty-five cents an hour. Um, it's 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 a business, yeah, um, and that's that's okay. Um, and there's things you can also do to help uh, guest blogging, uh, yeah. trying to get local media coverage. Um, mm-hmm. When I was up in upstate New York recently, I. Uh, had a small interview with the local newspaper of my hometown and my upcoming series is set in a fictionalized version of my hometown okay. and boom I sold 80 books okay. uh, on the strength wow. of that one article okay. and of course that pushed the book up in uh, Amazon's ranking and yeah. you know so it, it it has done very well um, which comparatively book was this yeah. Uh, this is my new series. It's the Galliano Club series, and it is based on some stories that my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, told when he was deputy sheriff of Oneida County in the 1920s. And this okay. is uh, like, if you can visualize the funky outline of New York State, it's almost directly in the middle. Okay. Um, so. Uh, I have used my hometown of Rome, New York as the fictional basis for Lido, New York. And the action is going to uh, focus on 
the, the Galliano Club, which is a social hangout for Italian men in, mm-hmm. in town. Uh, so it's bootleggers, it's Italian immigrants, it is blue collar um, development of a, a growth of a town based on uh, blue collar manufacturing. Uh, there was rivalry between the, the Italian uh, ethnic population, the, the Polish population coming in, the Irish population, the original Dutch settlers. Um, and that is very much the town I grew up in. And That's the, good stuff. That's great stuff because I grew up, I, I was born in England, but I grew up in New York. And so there's so much history there with the different ethnicities. Yes. Um, that you could, oh my goodness, that that's rich. So this, so you're leading me right into our last question. So this, <laughs> so so this is your, um, this is the project that you're working on because I wanted to ask you, you know, what projects would you like to update our listeners about? Well, this uh, the Galliano Club will uh, be four books, a short prequel, which is the one out now called Road to the Galliano Club. And then a trilogy of three full novels, uh, Murder at the Galliano Club, Blackmail at the Galliano Club, and Ra- Revenge at the Galliano Club. Yes, love and, it. <laughs> so it, it, that's been a lot of fun because it, it has brought me back to a lot of the places of my youth and uh, some of my readers who have emailed me saying, oh, I remember the real Galliano Club. My father used to go there or which it is the real Galliano Club. The building is still stands and there was a dance school on the top floor. And when I was in high school, I took tap dance lessons there. Um, and that part of town is still very old architecture, low brick buildings, um, you know, lots of Italian businesses uh, and and that is the, uh, the the setting for the new series so it's more of a kind of a light thriller series rather than whodunit type books uh, I have had a lot of folks say hey but where's when's the next detective Amelia Cruz coming out I left her um, hanging after eight books and uh, two novellas and I think about seven or eight short stories. Um, So I think eventually I will write another uh, few Detective Amelia Cruz, but I'd also like to do something set here in Tennessee. So. Oh, that uh, would be exciting. uh, So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but right now I am uh, working on the first of the full uh, Galliano Club novels um, and hope to have that out in the fall. And it'll be Murder at the Galliano Club. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Um, And also, I'm excited that um, you will be uh, on faculty at Killer Nashville this year. Such an honor. Um, And tell us how we can stay in touch with you. Well, the best way to stay in touch is to go to CarmenAmato.net and subscribe to my Mystery Ahead newsletter. Every two weeks, I will uh, send you treats in your inbox, a little update of what I'm writing now, an exclusive excerpt of the work in progress, 
and a book review of a mystery that I loved and think you will love too. Something to read while you're waiting for my next book. Um, it, it has been a, a great way for me to help readers find their next book that they're going to love and stay connected with my readers as well. Um, have uh, not quite 4,000 uh, subscribers right now, so it has been uh, pretty popular, and I've enjoyed really putting that out, and I do it. I don't have somebody, you know, do that for me. That is my labor of love uh, twice a month, so all of your listeners are more than invited to uh, come share the fun uh, with us over at Mystery Ahead. Oh, wow. I'm looking forward to that. That's I love authors that um, give back. You know, I love when you can you can get some some nuggets, some some information. I can learn something, and so that's that's really exciting to to know that you offer that on your site. So please, it, guys, connect with her. Yeah, really. Yeah, CarmenAmato.net. And you're on Instagram. A lot of our listeners uh, are on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at author Carmen Amato. And I, I am struggling a bit with, um, you know, trying to get some some nice imagery uh, <laughs> onto <laughs> onto my Instagram. I'm I'm relatively new to Instagram, um, but uh, it, it's a lot of fun, and I've I've connected with so many interesting people and other authors and bookshops on Instagram. Uh, so I yeah. I promise to do better. Yeah, no, you're doing great. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for Instagram because I, I saw you on there. I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. We, um, we connected at the conference. I'm gonna get her on here. So, I'm grateful. I think you're doing, you're doing great. Well, well I am so. <laughs> no, you're doing amazing. I'm so <laughs> grateful that you, you came on here. Now, do you have to promise? So the next time you come on, we, we need to, we want to talk CIA stuff. We want to get some, we want to get some, um some good material for our, our writers who write espionage and CIA stuff so that we can, um, first of all, debunk myths. And uh, so just help the, the credibility of what, what it is that we write. Right. Can you, do you agree to come back on? I'm making, I'm making you pinky promise. I, I, I am <laughs> pinky promise shaking your pinky virtually. Um, that's going to be my topic at Killer Nashville, writing spies and espionage to help folks uh, bring authenticity, use the right nomenclature, understand who does what yeah. uh, so that they get it right when they're uh, creating their characters and crazy, scary international spy scenarios. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you um, our, for our listeners uh, that, that you're here to join us. Um, where we share, learn, and together make this a better world where the light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. <laughs>